Please call back in. Blog Talk Radio. Yo, RoboGuard Radio is live on the air. information about their show at www.intherotation.com and they also stream live on Blog Talk Radio. blogtalkradio.com backslash retrojerk. Alrighty, we're back here on Rubber Guard Radio. Alex, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Alex is on the line. Is Casey on the line? What's shaking, Casey? That's it. We are online and going. I'm joined by the event coordinator for uh, one of the most popular independent Midwest promotions based out of Detroit, Revolucha. I'm joined by KC Miller. What's going on, brother? Hey, KZ. It's great to be here, man. How are you? Um, good now. Shit's up and running. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, so I called and I, uh, I got a little, I got the, uh, your secretary answered, and then I heard some music and then it went dead, so uh, I'm glad uh, everything is working. Yeah, it looks like it's a it's a heavy uh, for the server for the blog talk server. It looks like there's a lot of shows going on at this time. So right, right. Um, well, the future isn't perfect, maybe. but you know at least we get to we get to do this. So yeah, and the fact we get to do it at all, all right. is, it's pretty awesome. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna screw around. Yep. What gave you the idea to book Curry Man and Ultimo Dragon <laughs> in, a, in a match? <laughs> I, you I know what? That's 
that's the that's the match that when everyone uh, whenever anyone looks at our DVDs, that's the match they really pop for. Um, well, as you know, uh, with the new TNA deal with their workers, uh, you know how Ring of Honor is no longer allowed to use any of the TNA guys. Uh, the reason is is because they have you know they're doing pay per views and they have you know national distribution. Uh, we also have national distribution now uh, through Big Vision Entertainment. Um, and so we had used Christopher Daniels in the past before and wanted to use him again. We wanted to use him for all of our shows, but then this, you know, came down from TNA, so we were kind of upset about it. And then we were thinking, well, wait a minute. What if we, you know, we'll, we'll, book, we'll book Christopher Daniels versus Ultimo Dragon, put that on, on paper and on all the posters and the flyers and throw it out there on the Internet, you know, and really get a buzz going for it. You know, and there was, there was a great buzz for it. And then come time of the show, right before the match, which uh, I don't think was on, yeah, this part wasn't actually on the DVD. This was just kind of a special treat for anyone that was there. The announcer comes out and does, you know, the speech that we've all heard before. Uh, you know, so-and-so couldn't, couldn't make their flight. In this case, it was, you know, Christopher Daniels was uh, stuck on his flight in Florida, could not make it. And, you know, you get the booze and a couple people saying something about a refund, things like that. And then they announce, but, you know, in his replacement, straight from Japan, Curry Man, and people loved it. And uh, the match itself was great. Styles clicked, you know, both very colorful, colorful characters, which uh, come across great with our production. I think that's that's what we want to push, stuff like that. And uh, you know, great wrestling match that all ages could really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. the The product is, I can't say second to none, um, but it's up there as far as one of my favorites. Um, I am a huge Chikara Mark. So yeah. you guys are you guys are a close second. So, but that's a pretty good company to be in. Yeah, no, um, thank you. And we and that's we you know we know we're we know we're not the best. We know there's a lot of things we need to need to do to get better. Like it is good, but if we're gonna actually survive, like it needs it needs to get better because we need to get more support. You know. So, but thank you for putting us up there with Chikar because I'm a huge Chikar Marcus myself. So, how did you uh, get signed on with Big Vision? <clears throat> Uh, the deal really came around uh, the first time that we, the first Revolution show that we did, um, we brought in, it was uh, Conan and Il Del Santo and Parca, and it was also supposed to be Juventud and Psychosis, but they both no-showed us. Um, uh, and Conan actually had come in, and uh, he was kind of our contact out there. That was the first guy that, uh, Josh Movado from... Uh, the Bump and Uglies and uh, Independent mm-hmm. Wrestling Revolution, who is the booker for Revolution. That was the first, uh, he was his first contact there. So he was kind of the guy that got us the other names and, you know, kind of helped us uh, put the show together. And he went back afterwards and, uh, you know, because he's, he's in with them. He works with Big Vision uh, with his project. Uh, I forget, uh, Desperados Del Ring is, uh, is his, if you ever seen any of those Lucha DVDs. And he had mentioned, and he, you know, he went back and said that, you know, the, the production was really, really good. And, uh, you know, so we got, uh, Josh Movado got contacted by, I believe it was uh, Kleinrock from Big Vision was the first to get in touch with Josh about the shows. And then we just kind of sent him a DVD. And they were really, you know, kind of taken aback with, uh, you know, what we had done with, uh, you know, kind of limited resources. And thought that, uh, you know, it was uh, shelvable, you know, marketable because, it, you know, it's got a... As far as, like, I mean, us, the indie fans, they're always going to buy DVDs. There's always going to be traders and, and people that are going to collect everything. Uh, but as far as, like, a Best Buy or an FYE, you know, it's got to be something that it can't, unfortunately, it can't just be 
a, a, a great wrestling product. You know, it's got to look clean. It's got to look polished and finished, or people just dismiss it. You know, they see something that's being shot in a gym, even though the be, you know the best shows I've ever seen were shot in a gym. Average fan that's there to buy their John Cena DVD that might happen if the year stuff too. If they see that, they just it's dismissed immediately, unfortunately. Um, so uh, they thought that it would be you know sellable, and so now it's out there, and uh, we're waiting to get our first quarter of numbers back uh, any day now, actually. So how did you? Oh, I'm you sorry. Go. What? You got to speak up, Al. Hold on. There was two. There was <laughs> one cool. Uh, there was Al. I can't hear the other the other guy on the phone. I'm sorry. Yeah. Alex, you're really low. Hello. Alex. Hello. You there, brother? Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Go ahead, Ness. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, where Where are you from originally? Uh, I grew up in Michigan in a suburb outside of uh, Detroit, and uh, I've lived all over the state. And then the last uh, four and a half years, I've actually lived right in downtown Detroit. So what was your first exposure to Lucha Libre? To Lucha Libre would have to be, I was growing up, I was, hmm, I mean, I was more. I was way more than a casual fan. I was a huge fan all my life, but I never was much of like a tape trader. And in my younger years, I didn't, I didn't even get out to a whole lot of indie shows. I mean, I didn't start going to indie shows until so I was probably about, I don't know, 18, 19, uh, maybe a little bit younger. But uh, I think the, my first time I ever saw any Lucha Libre uh, might have been when, uh, uh, when ECW brought it. You know, and the first time I saw, like, a Mysterio there, um, it was just like, holy cow. You know, I was, I loved it. I loved the, I loved the mask I'd seen. I'd seen mass wrestlers before, but not you know not like that, like where it was a the whole part of the tradition, um, and uh, and ever since then I just uh, I lucha libre and then I just got really really into all different kinds of wrestling. You know, it's just like holy cow, well, if there's wrestling in Mexico, well, there's probably wrestling in Japan. Sure enough, you know, do a little bit of research. Um, just for me, I just uh, you know needed the uh, some curiosity kicked into me, you know, to go out there and see what else was out there. Uh, and then the whole idea for Lucha or Revolution itself, a friend of mine, uh, the the actual owner of Blah 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 Productions, who is uh, who owns Revolution, owns the name and owns all the DVDs and produced all the shows. Uh, he was a a big a big wrestling fan. He loved Lucha Libre, but he's also a total movie dork. So he has all the old you know Santo movies and Blue Demon movies where they're fighting mummies and werewolves and um, and he just he loved he loved the whole culture. So the actual to do Lucha Libre was really, really his idea. And then Josh Mavado, uh, again from the Bump and Uglies, the, the booker, came up with the, the term, you know, because they were already the IWR, the Independent Wrestling Revolution, who we had kind of worked in tandem with before on a couple of shows. Um, he came up with the, with the term revolution. We just ran with it. And there's a, there's a, a, a pretty big uh, Hispanic population in Detroit. So it's nice to have those fans at our shows because they're great. How many, uh, you said there's a large Hispanic population in Detroit. How many, uh, quote-unquote, American wrestling fans do you draw to your shows, and how do they react to the Lucha Libre scene? I'd say at our at our largest show, we had, I think we did 550, which for a, an indie in Michigan is really, really good right now. Um, and I would say, um, out of that, I'd say maybe 50% were Mexican, 
thirty percent were maybe thirty five percent were indie fans, and then the rest were just uh you know kind of thrill seekers, curiosity hunters, people that uh have heard of Lucha Libre before and like had to check it out. Weirdos, which are great because they're always into it and they buy into it you know full bore. Um, the American fans uh, have react great. You know they uh, they know what they want. Like a lot of a lot of American fans um, are very 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 particular. And if wrestling isn't done exactly how they want it, you know, they'll get all over someone for it. Um, but uh, I think with some of the names that we've, that we've brought in, uh, a lot of the fans around here are smart enough to know that, you know, Dr. Wagner is, he's not going to give, you're not going to see him do a 450, you know, but you're going to see someone that's, you know, a legend in Lucha Libre, and you're going to see someone that really, really knows how to work a match, and, and true Lucha style, you know, not just, not just flips, but a lot of, you know, a lot of ground wrestling. Um, you know, in the case of Ray Mysterio Sr., when we brought him in, just the name Ray Mysterio made people want to see him. And, and then seeing what he did, you could see that he's obviously not Ray Mysterio Jr., but you could see part of his style that it's like, is, is Ray Mysterio Jr., you know, it's exactly where he got it. Um, so I think uh, all the fans react real, real well. Um, since we have a lot of families there, because the Hispanics, like, that's a lot of families from Mexican town, uh, it makes it less of a bloodthirsty, you know, hateful environment because the fact that there's all these little kids around you kind of, you know, kind of rubs off a little bit. So it makes people a little bit less uh, bloodthirsty, which is nice. Um, it's a great atmosphere. I love I love our crowds. I really do. We have great fans. Speaking of, speaking of Ray Mysterio, have you ever seen uh, EO Day Ray Mysterio, his son, work? No, I haven't. I've heard of him. I have not seen him yet, though. I could, I'm sure I could probably YouTube him. Yeah, he's 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 really good. He uh, works locally around here and also Tijuana and stuff. And then uh, Ray Mysterio Sr. Usually when uh, he's on a card, usually he brings his son and he works the show too. And uh, he's he's a really good young talent. He's really young. I think he's only like 19. He's really good. Have uh, so you guys are out in California then, right? Yes, yes sir. Have you uh, have you been to a Lucha Vavum show? I've not, not been to a Lucha Vavum show. I've I've not been. That's uh, the promotion in Los Angeles, correct? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. very. Uh, I mean, they they kind of celebrity it out a little bit, and it's got they do burlesque during the show. Um, but it's great. I mean, the production's really really good, and uh, they bring in some big names. It's run on the weekdays, and I live in San Diego, and uh, Los Angeles is a two hour drive for me because I believe they run in the Mayan Theater in Los Angeles. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's a it's a two hour drive, and it's a little bit hard to make on a weekday, but. Uh, I've always wanted to yeah. check out one of their shows. Yeah, I'm hopefully get to make a trip out there sometime this year and see one, you know, to see what other people are doing. Because that's, that's, again, something different, you know, combining it with elements of burlesque and, you know, I like and Hollywood. You know, as much as I hate Hollywood, I'd, I'd like to see a Hollywood glitzy, you know, wrestling show, especially if I get to see, you know, Santo and Parka and Good Lucha Libre. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the... Uh the match listings for your DVD releases. And mm-hmm. on the second show, you have a minis match with Mascarita Sagrada and Suzuki. Yeah. Now, I've watched the match, and it is so fun. Yeah. Suzuki is an amazing worker, and the thing is, he's not really a mini. That's no, they and, 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 and uh, yeah, a, a, kind of a funny thing about that match was that, I mean, it wasn't that long of a match. No, it really, really wasn't. It kind of caught me off guard with how short they went. Um, but yeah, after going going back and watching, 
watching the show and watching the DVD. Um, that's, I mean, that's that's a uh, a, a brand of wrestling. That's a a genre of wrestling. You know, comedy, mini comedy, and uh, it goes over great. Families love it. Kids love love seeing little guys run around like that. You know, they don't have to do a single move. They can just run around and spank the referee, and it you know, and it works for them if they if, they, if you know know what you're doing. So, um, yeah, that match was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to watch. Well, the the Suki in um in Japan, he also works you know as a full full size worker under multiple gimmicks. Uh, he's all over the the indies out there. He works for Hustle. Um, that guy, you know, he is a pure flyer at its best. Yeah. And I haven't seen someone fly like that since I would say Pathfinder from Promo S Tech in '97. But see, I know my lucha. But yeah, yeah. This you need to bring that guy in to work full size, full full size uh, juniors and and really see the guy fly around as opposed right? to you know the the mini spots. Yeah, but, no, that's I, I I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I've only seen I've really seen limited of him. Uh, I've seen stuff on the YouTube and I've seen you know when he worked for us and I think he was he actually did some some TV for WWE if I'm not mistaken when they had their juniors for like a day he was on there. Um, but I've seen him do some, you know, some top rope hurricane rounds and things like that. So, yeah, I'd love to, I'd, anything like that that's something different that you can showcase, like, I think is good, you know. That's why we, we've had Zach Allen on so many of our shows, just because, you know, it never gets old seeing a one-legged moonsault. Like, that's always cool. Um, I'm looking at one, one match thing... you had. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Alex. I'll follow you. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at one match you did November 29, 2005. Super Park, Super Park against Shark Boy, two out of three falls. This match really interests me. Uh, how did that match go, and what are your memories of that? That that match actually, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I uh, the next show when we when it was when Curryman was there, I was talking to uh, Christopher Daniels, and I gave him a DVD. You know, I throw DVDs to everybody uh, to help get the word out. He was looking at it, and he's like, "Oh, he's like Super Park and Shark Boy." He's like, "Oh, that was probably a that a train wreck." And I'm like, "Well, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't pretty." Um, something kind of interesting about that is that in Mexico, like a lot of, you know, AAA and CMLL uh, and other Lucha feds, they, you know, guys like Park and Santo, they kind of work out their own ending. You know, like they don't, a lot of times they're not, they get to do whatever they want to do. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying on all shows because I definitely don't know, but I know on certain shows like that's, that's, you know, that's just how it goes. They get to do whatever they want. And the Park has kind of took over that show. Like that, that show was was uh, you know originally not supposed to happen the way it did, um, and one of the things that, that kind of started that off was Super Parka. He demasks. He takes Shark Boy's mask in that in that match. You know he takes it off, and uh, you know Shark Boy was not he was not happy about that. Um, and you can kind of see it like after he gets pinned by having the mask pressed down in his uh, you know he pins him by holding him down with his mask, and. Uh, you know, afterwards it shows Super Park and he's walking around and taunting the fans and see Shark Boy lacing back up and you can see in his eyes like he's pissed. You know, it kind of kind of broke down and I didn't even realize it at first I and mean, I was kind of running around doing other stuff and then I had to be told kind of later on what happened. Um, so that's like, I mean, a, a match where you get to see two guys that really weren't seen eye to eye um, during the whole time and just you know seeing them go. Um, and I, I, I had seen some stuff of Super Parka before. Uh, he's another guy that works Lucha Vavum. And uh, he, he probably could have done, done a lot more to make the match better. I'll say that about it. 
Okay, I'm looking at some uh, 2005 calls, and uh, you featured a lot of Chris Saban. Now, I was wondering, uh, how do you feel about the evolution of Chris Saban from the time they used him until the Chris Saban that he is today? Shit, Chris, I mean, he's been... I mean, he's been the way that he is right now. I mean, he's been doing that for years. You know, like, he... I, I think I think finally, like, they found a, you know, a good niche for him. And I think uh, I think the machine guns, you know, I've got, we've got to see a bunch of them. Um, I think that that is could be the future of tag team wrestling. Like, it should be. It should, you know, there should be tag team combos where it goes seven, eight, nine moves deep. You know, you get to see that two, three times a match. That's what tag team wrestling, like, could be. Um... He's actually, Saban we've actually used, I mean, he's been on two of the Revolution shows, and then the first show that I, uh, that I actually worked with, uh, Josh Mavato as the booker, uh, was a, it was called Save the Vegetables, and it was a, a, like a rock and roll barbecue type deal here in downtown Detroit at a gallery, where we had, I think, eight bands, uh, you know, four matches, just a bunch of crazy shit going on, it was a lot of fun, um, and we booked him for that, and, uh, he was he's super cool guy, you know, really, really laid back. And every time we booked him, he uh, you know, worked his ass off. And then we saw him uh outside of bring up Ring of Honor one after one show. Went up and said hey and you know, asked him if he was down for the next show and he was like, Oh yeah, I love I love those shows. Those shows are so easy for me and it's just like so easy for him. Like he, he in each match he's in he just like he tears it up, you know, and just completely stands out and he's just like, Oh, I love those matches. That's so much fun, that's so easy for me. So, uh, yeah, I have a lot of respect for Chris Saban's work, and he's always been really, really, really cool with me. So, um, unfortunately, you know, can't book him anymore unless he wants to put on a mask and be, you know, super Saban or whatever, you know, because of the TNA deal. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, do you follow the Machine Guns uh, career-wise? Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Have I followed them? Do you... Do you go out of your way to um, to watch uh, independent footage of the machine guns? Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen some. Uh, what was the last? Uh, I think we were talking about it. The, the machine guns versus uh, Ultimo and uh, Liger. I think it was. Yeah, I've, I've seen some other stuff of theirs for sure. Yeah, they're they're as far as tag team wrestling is concerned. Um, I would put them number one above the Briscoes. Um, I love the Briscoes to death, but they need to slow the hell down. Um, they oh, don't man. need to put 40-minute oh. match in 20 minutes. Dude, I was, but, I, man, I was, I was at the, uh, the, the Ring of Honor WrestleMania weekend where I forget which Briscoe it was, but he was, you know, shooting star off the top. Like, and it was, it's like you said, like, just going, going so fast. And tried to do a shooting star, like running up and in stride, tried to run the turnbuckles into a shooting star to the outside and just totally didn't make it. It was, it was horrible. I'm, I'm glad I was on the other side of the ring and didn't see his actual impact. It was just like every time I see those guys, it's like we, the time before that in Detroit, one of them did a shooting star from uh, uh, the top of a production trailer on a Samoa Joe. Like it was, a, it was a parking, you know, it was a street fight or whatever, and they got up to one of the semi-trailers running shooting star off that into a you know, parking lot. It's like, holy cow, dude. Like you said, slow down, calm down. Um, but I would love to see them and the machine guns. I'd love to see that match. Mm. They've done it, what, What's twice, the... Alex, right? Um, I've only seen it in the bottom. Yeah, they were, twice in ROH. They, well, they were, they were going to do it the next night, I believe, but, uh, that, but that, then Briscoe couldn't fight. 
XFL of the uh, the two nights they were running in Detroit for WrestleMania weekend. What's the current state of the Detroit independent wrestling scene, and what guys are really looking good out there? Out here, it's man, it's it's weird. It's like I mean, I guess it's not weird. It's probably like this everywhere. I'm just now starting to branch out from Michigan and and really take in some other shows in other states. You got there's a lot of talent, and there's so many promotions that it's really really oversaturated. You know, you got shows every single weekend, and barely anyone is really doing it right. You know, and I don't I don't want to knock other promoters um, or talk any kind of shit because you know I understand with. with Revolution, there's like a whole team of us that does. Like, I know how much how many people are involved with it and all the work. So I'm not like poo-pooing other people's product because you know, look at mine, it's so good. But just I don't know. Uh, little, so many little things during a wrestling production when I go to indie shows out here that just they kind of get to me. And again, there's like since there are so many shows and there are so many people running, the crowds are never. You know, you're happy if it, if a place you know, kind of starts to fill up, you know. If there's more than 20, 30 people there, it's like, oh, cool, you know, people came. So, and there's a, there's a couple promotions uh, uh, that are exceptions, um, and a lot of it has to do with, I think, location. You know, it's a place that just has a good place to run. You know, some places have, the, where they run, you know, it's got a low ceiling, or there's, you know, the lighting's bad, or it's way too big, you know, just the opposite. It's so big that when you draw 25 people, it's just, you feel like you're in an empty room. Um, and then you have other places that uh, uh, one, one company runs out of a, a bar that has a, like a, a dance, dance floor and uh, like dance lights, like trusses above it. So it's really good lighting for the ring and they're seating all the way around it and it's a great venue and they draw, you know. And I know it's, a lot of it is because of the names they bring in, the show they put on, but I also know that location is a huge part of it uh, in Michigan. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't want to say it's like it's healthy out here or it's not healthy. I mean, we're Michigan as a state is struggling so much anyways, you know, and it's the working class, which turns out the working class is who likes wrestling. So it's, you know, no one has it easier out here right now. <laughs> I can say that. Uh, as far as talent goes, um, I really like uh, a couple of our guys that I really like. I really like Amazing Nate Madsen. Uh, CK3 is, is a great, he's as good of a mic, wor- a mic worker as I've, I've seen uh, in Michigan, for sure. Um, I like the uh, the old timer Jeff King. I don't know if he's you guys are good. Up. Yeah, isn't that he it's, is it's, good? Yeah, it's great. The gimmick is great, Love and he's totally. Gimmick. Have you have you seen him live? Yeah. Uh, well, no, not live, but I've I've seen I saw the match with Hydra. Okay. Oh Jesus. <laughs> oh fuck me. <laughs> He's, wow. hey, I mean, when, when he's live, I mean, just the way he moves and he makes the old man grunt and he's got the tube socks and, you know, when he locks the bear, it's so funny because that you'll be at a show and there's, you know, there's always people around that have never seen it. So they're just watching him like kind of like, you know, they're not laughing. They're just like, is this for real? Like, what's, what's wrong with this guy? And he's, and he's doing the whole bit and then he clams in the bear hug, you know, and everyone, all, you know, all, all, everyone that knows is, is screaming, like, oh, no, not the bear hug. You know, everyone totally buys into it, which is great. That's when wrestling's fun. You know, when you when someone is doing the silliest gimmick imaginable, and you you want to buy into it because it's enjoyable. You know, like that's great. That's perfect wrestling. And you know, so he'll win with the bear hug, and then you know there'll be people that'll be like, "What? What? He won with that?" And then you're like, "Yeah, it was you know the bear hug. No one gets out of the bear hug." So uh, he's a lot of fun. Um, uh, who else should I say? Um, oh, Brad, Brad freaking Martin. 
is uh, Brad Freaking Martin, I should say, is uh, another guy, but he's, he's Windsor. We have a lot of Windsor talent. Um, and a guy named Phil Atlas, which is really unfortunate that he, Phil Atlas, cannot, no longer, he can't work in the States for, I think it's like a year, um, something that happened at the border. And he had just gotten back from a tour of Japan, you know, like was really, really doing well. And now he can't work the States for a year. So, but that's another name, Phil Atlas, uh, for sure. He's on one of our, uh, our uh, episodes of Viva La Podcast. We have a, a, a podcast that uh, was uh, bi-weekly for a little while. And we're kind of on a off-season right now, but pretty soon there'll be new episodes up. But uh, if you haven't checked out the podcast, definitely check it out on iTunes. What luchadors that you haven't used already that you would like to bring in and use if you could? Well, we lost Other our chance Mitsuko. with I, I was just going to say, we lost our chance with Mitsuko, which we tried. You know, we tr- even when we did our first show, he was already kind of like untouchable. Um, I would say uh, if we were going to do another Halloween show, like another Day of the Dead show, uh, which is our the second DVD, the one that uh, Big Vision signed, um, I'd like to bring in like a Damien. 666 or Halloween, just to just to play that part. Um, I would say um, maybe some more minis. We've talked about bringing having uh, some sort of mini uh, battle royale. Oh, excuse me. Um, maybe uh, we're gonna probably bring in hopefully Blue Demon. Um, just to. Uh, you got to have, that's one of the things, like with the Hispanics, you have to have, it's got to be a name. You know, it's cool to bring in someone that we, you know, that we all know that is going to give you a great show and you want to bring in those guys. But, like, they come out to see, you know, Mascaras. You know, they come out to see Santo. They come out to see Blue Demon. You know, that's that's where your draw is. So, uh, probably Blue uh, Blue Demon. Um, how, how about Negro Casas? Yeah, we actually, he was one of the guys still that... Go. Whenever, whenever we, we, we do a show, Josh will get a list of, you know, like seven or eight guys that are, are kind of available and kind of interested, and then we figure out who we would, you know, who might work, and then that list goes back, and then it comes back, and it turns out that only, you know, three of them are available, and it's only out of the three, one or who we wanted, and it's like, it just ends up being like you get who you get, it seems. Like, that's been, from my conversations with Josh, you know, during the whole process, it just seems like you end up with who you end up with. You try to get like as many guys as you can, hoping to get three or four good names. Oh, but yeah, Nico Costas would be great. Yeah, he's he's still still top flight worker at his age, and you know that guy's been been doing this shit forever, and yeah. he never phones it in. All the times that I've seen him, you know, on on lucha shows up here, um, he he never phoned it in. You know, he would always go in and and put in the twenty minutes. You know, and well, I mean, it helped that he was in the ring with you know another guy I'd like to see uh, for your company would be Blue Panther, um, mm-hmm. the Mexican D. Malenko. Yeah, we we brought yeah we brought in Blue Panther. He's on the yeah. uh, he's on the second DVD. Yeah, yeah Timber CK3. Yeah. <clears throat> he's yeah, he's and people came for him too. People, he was he was definitely a draw as well. You know, because then you, then you get the old timers that remember. You know, that remembers. Being Blue Panther, and uh, they come out and they bring their kids, and their and their kids buy masks, so it's great. <laughs> it works out. Moving so, away, one, Libre. Oh, I'm sorry. Now I was going to say, and one other thing about bringing people in, like I really like the idea of like how we did with Curry Man, where it's it's a, a big you know indie name guy playing his other gimmick, 
I like the idea of doing things like that. Like we had up until he got re-signed with TNA, we had Elix Skipper on board to come in and work as Extreme Blade, his Japanese gimmick. Like I really like the idea of having guys come in and work their mass gimmicks that they don't ever work in the States. You know, because all the fans that cared, you know, or that know care, like they like it. They think it's cool too. And it's still the same guy. He's still just doing all the great moves. It's just that you get to see him work as a different character. And for a lot of the, <clears throat> excuse me, for the Hispanic families, it's, you know, another great guy in a mask. Like, a lot of those people, you know, wouldn't, uh, a lot of our crowd wouldn't know who Elix Skipper is. You know, and they wouldn't know who Extreme Blade is either, but Extreme Blade is in a mask, so they, they get into it more. Um, so I really like the idea of having guys work their, their alter egos through Revolution. Okay, uh, moving away from Lucha Libre a little bit, I see that um, on 6-6-2006, you brought in Teddy Hart. Um, I'm sorry, what's that? I see that you've used Teddy Hart before in your uh, show. No, no, we, it was uh, TJ Hart, not Teddy. Okay, TJ Hart. Who, who, is TJ Hart, is he uh, TJ Wilson? He, no, he usually actually works as uh, Clunk the Clown. He works like a uh, kind of bad, disgusting clown gimmick. And he actually changed into clunk during that match, but he was it was originally billed as as uh, DJ Hart. Okay, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry about no, that. No, that's all right. Okay. I'd love, I mean it'd be interesting to book Teddy Hart, you know. I can say that. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Who would you put Teddy Hart against the booking? Oh well um C K three yeah, that would be great. I would think. I'd put him. Yes, CK or, or Nate would be great. Gutter, Nate, another guy that would work Nate, real well. Nate with would that. Nate would keep him in line. I I think Nate would keep him in line. Probably right. Yes, yeah, um, like I said, like that's you know that's why I say it would be interesting. So. Well, that, that that's the problem with booking Teddy Hart nowadays, man. You know, you, you never know what the hell you're going to get with this guy, and you need someone in the ring there. You know, to slap the living shit out of him to get his head back on straight. So, so do you I don't think understand. that? Well, here's the thing. Do you think that guys like him, you know, they 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 know it's like kind of like Axl Rose. You know, he knows he's Axl Rose, so he's a rock star. So, the more that he fucks up, the more his name is worth. Do you think there's guys like that, like like a, a, a Teddy Hart, that have that mentality that he's so good, and the fact that he does fuck people over in one way or another, like kind of like makes him even more intriguing. I mean, do you think that's possible? Because it definitely happens I think in music. So. I, I think so, but I, I also think he has a, um, ADD. I mean, he's he's just off in his own world, you know. He's just, yeah. I don't know, but I, I say keep him up in Calgary because if I were if I were running shows, I wouldn't want to deal with someone like that. I, you know, you got enough to deal with. You yeah. can't deal with one crybaby and a locker room full of you know thirty adults. You know, it's got to be thirty thirty one adults. You know, you can't babysit. And, yeah, and, and I would. And, I don't, I don't yeah, get it. I, I I agree. And uh, like I said, I just think with some guys, that's just they start off as as assholes, but it just kind of works. It works for them. Like look at how look at how far he's gotten by being a prick. You know why stop? Why why stop now? You know I mean that's you can say that about a lot of people. So and I don't know the guy personally. I just hear stories about you know things he's done. It's just like it's just like I said, it's just like in music. People do that, and it just for one reason or another helps them establish themselves. Especially when you're when you can do what that guy can do, you know. Yeah, that's what bothers the hell out of me. The kid has all the talent in the world, all the talent in the world, but his head's so screwed up. You know, it, it 
God, I just I wish someone could straighten him out. I mean, if 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 WSX was still on, would he be like a national star? I mean, would you? I would I say know. yes. Either that, or he would have fucked up. Would have you know? Would have uh, messed around with killed, the him, rock killed himself friend. jumping I mean, off the top of that building. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> shit. Crazy. Okay. Right, go ahead, Alex. I see in 2005 that you booked the American Kickboxer. Now, have you uh, ever seen any of the students in Aptow Dragons, or would you ever consider using any of them for a, a show? And would you book them against any luchadors? You know what? I w- as far as uh, like Josh again, Josh Movado is in. He's in charge of all the booking. You know, like I really he'll he'll come to me for you know just kind of my opinion, but he's he's in charge of all the booking, especially with you know guys working with you know his with the IWR guys, with his IWR family. Um, so I would say, you know, whenever anyone, cause we get a lot of, I get stuck because I run the MySpace as well. We get messages, you know, every week of people that want to work for us. And it's just like, well, you know, uh, send something and I'll, I'll pass it on and check it out. But it's really not, not up to me. Um, as far as, what was it, Neptown Dragons you said? Yeah, Drake Younger and, uh, Scotty Vortes and those guys. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen them. I think they would, I think they would work. I think it would work in, uh. Uh, with our show, but uh, you know, again, I don't get any of the say in that. Unfortunately, actually, fortunately, because that is a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you were the booker and you had uh, Drake Younger on the show and you were mm-hmm. booking him against the Luchador, who would you book him against? I would say, uh, hmm. I don't know. Um. Out of the guys that we've already brought in, or just just anybody, anybody. This is total fantasy. Um, I would say, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really, I don't know. I, no one pops in the in the mind actually. <laughs> that would be especially good. Drake Younger versus any uh, Luchador would be a very interesting <laughs> matchup. I'd, I'd, I'd buy that yeah. DVD. <laughs> yeah. I think I think uh we wanted to bring in maybe like Ultimo Guerrero. <laughs> Someone like that. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think uh promoters need to do with Drake Younger in two thousand eight is instead of booking him against uh people that do death matches and try to test Drake Younger and try to book him against people who want additional death match workers. Try to book him against like comedy figures and try to book him against uh other kind of people because we've seen yeah, strong he, style guys. He we've can, seen him against well, that's what I was what I was saying. Like he could, I mean, he 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 could work, and not have it be a death match, and still, you know, he could put on a different kind of match. You know, I've seen him do other things. So, um, well, you know, the listeners are weird though with who they'll who they'll work and who they won't work with. And again, I just hear kind of the stories, but you know, some of them are really, really, really particular for what you know one reason or another. Um, and some of them have real like the bigger names have are total total prima donnas. You know, working with them can be very frustrating at times, you know, especially for me, who's just like, you know, I love you, I look up to you, and you're, you know, but I'm trying to put on a show here, you know, and I need you here. So, um, it's been interesting, though. They're all characters. Has there been any funny stories about any luchadors kicking the boys out of the back because they had to take off their mask, either to take a shower or take off their mask for any reason? No, we've we've avoided all that by having uh, separate locker rooms. All the, the theaters that we've run at have always been, you know, pretty large theaters, uh, and we have uh, usually have one one locker room for all the for all the local boys, and then all the guys we're bringing in will have another 
so we haven't uh, we haven't had any encounters like that. Although I I imagine it happens all the time. <laughs> so, but and uh, you know what? When we have after shows and people have all been hanging out in the same dressing room, guys like uh, like Parka and Santo have been they've been really really cool around all the all the locals. You know, all the uh, Midwest indie workers that they've encountered, they've been real friendly, real cool about hanging out. So nothing nothing like that. But they do. I, I you know I can say that. You know, they put their mask on before they get, a lot of them put the mask on before they get into the building, you know. Like, I was bringing, uh, I was actually driving Santo to the theater at our first show, and he asked, you know, when, tell me before we get to the theater, because I'm going to put my mask on before I even go in, so. Which I kind of, I mean, I kind of guessed, but it was just, it was really, you know, amazing to see that and be like, oh, yeah, okay, you're you're Batman, I forgot, no one can know, so. <laughs> um, there's There's one Lucha name that's missing. And that's psychosis. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? How? When are we going to get a, a two Nietzsche two award? times? Two times now. We've we've had psychosis like ready to go. The first show we ever did, he, uh, he again him and Hoovy both no showed. We found out that you know that was like my first the first Revolution show was my first like straight wrestling show that I was really heavily involved with. You know I'm at the theater all day like getting you know making sure everything's happening. And, you know, Josh comes in, he's like, yeah, you know, two Peruvian psychosis, no show, they're not at the airport. And I'm just like, what? Like, that happened? Like, is, I know that happens, but is that going to happen to us? Like, damn it, like, what happened? And they said, uh, Hoovy 2 was just Hoovy, you know, just decided not to come. But psychosis had actually uh, apparently hurt his head pretty bad, busted his head open the night before, and could have made the flight, but just kind of chose not to. Um, so he wasn't at that show. And then the la- this last show, he was, again, uh, you know, we had kind of caught word that he had cleaned himself up uh, after the whole car incident, um, that he was uh, he was sober and straight and, you know, worth worth giving another look at. So we had him booked again, but then he got picked up uh, on an NWA tour, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was either work our show or work, you know, seven shows for them. It was like, no, go ahead, you know, do your thing. So we've tried to get him in twice. And I would assume he would probably try again. Um, and that's that's a, that's a guy we you know I've always wanted to bring. I've always wanted to see him work a revolution show. You know, he he actually um, he actually showed up at uh, Sunday's uh, LLII show in outside San Diego that Alex attended. Um, hmm. Alex, uh, any stories about the match the psychosis had on Sunday? I wasn't there because uh, we had actually had to leave right after um, my trainers, uh, Davey Jones and Rod Stone, they had worked that show, and then we had to leave right after their match because we had to make it up to Covina to that show. So I, I missed psychosis. I was, I was unfortunate. But speaking of psychosis, uh, this is kind of not really a psychosis-related question, but uh, if you put a psychosis or uh, a Santo on a card, it's going to draw a lot of people. Now, yeah. when those people come to the shows and they see, you know, just someone after, you know, they see a Chris Saban or they see some of the other local guys that you're using, do you think that there's ever a crossover between they know, Chris Saban becomes a name that they know and remember, and then they might show up to an American show to see a Chris Saban work, or these uh, fans normally just go to see the guys that they know? And they don't well, really I would say, here's, here's the thing about, and this is something that I had to really, really learn about our demographic down here in Detroit, our, our Mexican community, um, and I had to learn the hard way, is that they, uh, they stay very close to their neighborhood. 
you know, they stay, they, they feel safe there. You know, they all speak, they all speak Spanish and they usually don't, they don't stray from Southwest Detroit. Um, and who, you know, in a lot, for a lot of reasons, like who can blame them? I don't. Um, it's their family. It's their neighborhood. So it's a big deal to have them even come up where we run our shows now is, yeah, I think a 20 minute drive up the highway. That's what, that's a big field trip for them. So to get them to come out, yes, they, they, they definitely come out to see Santo or Parco or Psychosis. Bill Mascaras has probably got the biggest pop in Revolution history. I mean, they just went crazy for him. Um, so I would say if for us, unfortunately, probably not, unless, you know, uh, Chris Haven was going to uh, be a part of a show that was being run near that neighborhood. Um, you know, they're not, they're not going to make a drive that far or farther unless it's for you know, for Lucha Libre, um, which is, is really unfortunate. But that's just, that's how that neighborhood works. It's, 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 a hard, it's hard to get, get them to come up even for the big names. You know, it's, our last show we, uh, we ran on a Sunday night, and we really paid the price because, you know, they'll, they, they, wouldn't, they didn't leave the neighborhood. They can't leave the neighborhood and stay out late, you know, on a work night, on a school night. On a Friday or Saturday, yeah, they can do it. But on a Sunday, it's just, it's just too far. They're not going to get home until too late and, know got to put the five kids to bed that need to have school tomorrow and it's so we lost a lot of our audience with that show unfortunately so next show we're going to hopefully do one right in their backyard so and all the all the michigan (coughs) sorry about that go ahead no and i was going to say in all the michigan indie fans that come to revolution you know they all know all about chris david so unfortunately yeah he doesn't get any rub to the uh to the mexican uh, in neighborhoods. Now it'll be interesting. What what's going to happen here with TV going the way it is, where they're getting rid of the you know antenna TV? Uh, that neighborhood a lot. I mean, that's a lot of people in that neighborhood. That's how they watch their television. So now that they're going to be forced to get cable or probably satellite because satellite carries uh, you know uh, Univision and Telemundo, where Comcast, our cable company out here, doesn't. So most of them will probably get a dish. Then they might be exposed to TNA and see him there. You know, then he's a, then he's a big star, and then I would say yes, he could he could he could get a draw from that community. Once they saw him on on TV as a huge star, then maybe. And that's so. Who knows? Maybe no more antenna television helps wrestling. I don't know. Okay. Um, let me see. <clears throat> on the um, the November <clears throat> excuse me '05 show. Uh, Revolution number two, you booked uh, Park and Santo in a cage. Mm-hmm. Now, was it their idea to do the cage, or was it was it the company's idea? And did you have to pay them quite a bit more to do it? They, uh, it was our idea to do a cage match because we wanted to do, we wanted to kind of spook it out, like we had the uh, the skeletons on the inside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, this, you know, Cage is such a menacing, scary sight, so we just thought it'd be perfect for our, our Halloween Day of the Dead show. Um, they did want more for, for, for working a Cage, you know, as part of, their, part of their upfront deal. And they also wanted more uh, uh, after the match for tearing their masks, because both of them, I mean, they really, that match was, was it was a good match. It was a it pretty was crazy brutal. match. Um, there's a bunch of things in that match that I can honestly say, like, and I'm, I'm not the biggest wrestling dork, but I'm a pretty big wrestling dork, and I had never seen any, like, there's so many things in that match that I had never seen before. Uh, one, and one like the streamers, 
You know, they come in and everyone's throwing streamers, and it's like, well, wait a minute. It's a cage, you know, and no one's getting in to clean up these streamers, and these guys are fighting in a big pile of streamers. Like, wow, I've, I've never seen that before. And then with uh, Parka calling in for steel chair or for chairs, you know, people throw chairs over the cage. Again, I had seen that in a regular ring, like in a regular match, chairs go flying in there, but never over a steel cage. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and then, and then towards the end of the match, you know, Parker grabs one of those skeletons, which is like a, a, an expensive, you know, scaled, heavy-duty skeleton. You know, they they weren't like gags and gifts, crappy skeletons. Rips one of those off the cage and starts hitting Santo with it, stuffs it in his tights and hits it with the chair. You know, it looked like something out of a horror movie. Um, so that was the idea for that that whole match. We wanted we wanted it to be a steel cage match. They wanted more for that. And then at the end of the match, they tried to get more for. Uh, uh, for doing the masks, like ripping the masks as much as they did, but it was like we can't, you know, we're already lo- we're losing our asses on these shows, you know, because we were, and we still, you know, we still do. Uh, the show itself doesn't make money; it's the hope that the DVD is going to sell, and that we can make money that way. So it's like, no, we can't. We already gave you guys so much; we can't give you any more. So, and they were cool about it, but they definitely tried, you know. It was fun. It was it was a fun match, and you know, it wasn't out of the blue. Um, it, the match meant something because these guys have been, you know, they've been running a program all over the world. Yeah, right. Um, for like two or three years. I mean, I saw the match that they did in Atlanta, um, and that was just a nasty match. That was park of blood all over the place. Uh, yeah. They've done it in Tijuana, Mexico City, um, uh, up there for you guys. But uh, yeah, so it, it made sense. Uh, maybe not to the people in attendance, but. For those of us that that follow, I'm I'm a huge Parker Mark, and yeah. those that follow him, um, it made sense. So, <clears throat> okay, and it, um, we are. Well, it was it was cool because not only did it make sense, but it's like you said, this is like a pretty famous rivalry. These guys are going, they're doing this, uh, this they're doing this from a promoter's from from or uh, from an entertainment promoter, you know, which is just what I do. I do you know other shows other than wrestling, but for my from my state, it was just like. Here's these two guys that are working this great act all over the country, and they're tearing it up. And like, we're gonna bring it to Detroit because no one else, no one else is going to, no one else has. And uh, I was that match was so much fun. I actually was the first, the the first couple people that tried to throw chairs over the cage missed. I was the first one to actually get one in the cage. It was like, I was like, that was so much fun. Like, give me another one. This is great. So that was that was a match that since it was the end of the show, all my duties were taken care of. I got to stand back and watch it, and it was great. Um, well, we're going to wind down the interview. Um, Casey, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It was, it was definitely fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we could, uh, we could make it happen. Thanks you. Uh, thanks for helping me get the word out, you know, helping us get the word out. It's all good, man. Um, I, as far as your products concerned, man, I got you back. Like I cool. Said, Thank you. And, uh, like I said, uh, two in my book, start, uh, start, uh, number two. Start, uh, you know, thinking of some sort of uh, contest promotion, whatever. You're going to get a goodie basket of shit to give away. So, and, oh, awesome, uh, awesome, awesome. We'll, um, and, uh, well, we'll do check a, out the. We'll do, say, when, we'll do something when we launch our website. Okay. Um. So yeah, well, it's been announced. I guess we, are, uh, Rubber Guard Radio, will be launching a website. Um, cool. We don't. Exactly. We don't report the news, dude. We just have opinions on it. So, um. We'll be archiving our shows, and we'll we'll have a couple MMA bloggers. Um, I'll right. be blogging. Um, Alex will be blogging um, because Alex has got three matches under his belt, and he's still training. Cool. 
So um, also I have Matt Farmer up in Seattle works regularly. So uh, it'll be, you know, a lot of road stores and stuff. So um, it should be fun. Um, now, I'm going to give you the office, brother. I need you to plug whatever you need plugged. Yeah. Uh, check out the podcast, Viva La Podcast. Uh, just go to the iTunes Music Store, check it out there. Um, also, you can go to bigvisionentertainment.com, and there's all sorts of uh, all sorts of indie goodies there, which we need to get supported. It needs to work, because if Big Vision fails trying to do this, it's going to be that much harder for someone else to step up and, and be the next one to do it, you know? So uh, support them. They they produce some NWA stuff. They produce Chikara. You know, like that that best of Chikara DVD is amazing. Get it. Um, and uh, yeah, check out the podcast. Revolution.com is also on its way. Uh, we don't have it yet, unfortunately, but we do have a MySpace, which is myspacecom slash Revolution. Check it out. Be our friend. And uh, yeah, thanks for helping us get the word out, Casey. Not a problem, Casey. Next time we have you on, dude, we're gonna talk about your other project. Oh, oh my God! I'd, I'd love that. I'd love to. It'd be, <laughs> well, I, I want. I, I, I need to get as, as I need to get as many wrestling heads feedback about that that project as possible. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, well, maybe you can maybe you could do a guest blog and we could post it on our site. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. We'll be we'll be in touch, man. I'd love to. Awesome. Any any anything I can do with you guys to help you guys to help us to help you. Let's do it. Keep remember people out there. Keep. Indies alive. Yeah, yeah. There, support. Go to shows. Is, buy DVDs. There is wrestling out there other than that shit you watch on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and I think that's it. But uh, you know, every, but, pretty uh, much every pretty much every day now. There's other wrestling that the, than the wrestling that is on every day. <laughs> if, like Herb and something UWF. different. <laughs> yeah, UWF too. <laughs> also check out Lucha Libre man you know it's something different you know Lucha's you know there there's some guys for everybody as far as Lucha's it's, concerned but man it's it's hot in Mexico right now as as in yeah, uh illustrated by the the, the prices for uh, for workers now it's gone up significantly in the last two years because of how hot it is down there so well one of my one of my favorite tag teams ever just got back together uh Bucanero and uh Ultimo Guerrero, they just got back yeah. together. We actually oh, had uh, yeah. we had we had Bucanero originally. He was one of the guys, and I was saying, you know, you get a list of like five guys, and you're happy if you get two. Like Bucanero was one of the guys that we really tried to get. All right, well, we have our next guest up on the line. So Casey, I'm going to have to cut you off. I really no, appreciate thanks. you coming on Rubber Guard, man. It was definitely a pleasure. Word, I will. Uh, <laughs> I'll be talking to you soon. Say goodbye, okay. Alex. <laughs> All righty, Casey. Thank you for Later, brother. Together. I'll be talking to you. Bye. All right, Alex. What's up, dude? What's up? Do we have Chimera on the line? Yes, we do. I would like to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, the SoCal. Well, he's uh, all over the SoCal scene, and also Germany. Go figure. Welcome to the show, Chimera. What's going on, brother? <laughs> What's going on, guys? How's it going? <laughs> Just talking Lucha Libre and masks, man. Right up your alley. There we go. There we go. I'm, I'm going to fit in right into this conversation. All right, man. I got to know. How in the hell did you get booked in Germany? You know what? Uh, 
funny story. The thing is, I'm just awesome like that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> is this no, Taro on the line? Huh? Is this Taro on the line, or is it is it Chimera? I don't know. I, I, the last time I checked, I think it was Chimera. I'm, I'm not quite sure, though. Uh, my mask was Chimera. So. <laughs> no, you know what, what happened? The thing is that I always put up all my videos online. And I figured one of these days, somebody's going to get a hold of it. Lo and behold, thanks to YouTube, you know, and there you go, there's a, a plug for YouTube. Um, uh, the promoter found my videos on YouTube, and I have a MySpace link on there. So from there, one thing led to another, and I got an invitation. And the rest is history. Well, there you go. There you go. Indie workers out there all over the world, abuse YouTube. Put your clips. YouTube and MySpace. There you go. MySpace. The future of friendship as Mr. Bryce Rensberg likes to say. Alrighty, Alex. Uh, you, you wanted to get Chimera on the show, brother. This is now the Alex Saint Show. I'm going to sit back and listen to you two guys talk. Okay, so uh, who, who all worked that show in Germany with you? Uh, as, as far as names go, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of guys. Um, most of your listeners are going to recognize, like, Doink the Clown, Sonny, uh, Honky Tonk Man, um, the Canadian Mountie, and of course their champ was Tatanka. Oh, and Kamara, of course. But um, but no, it was such a great show, and the crowd in Germany, and Europe, and just in general was was, was great. Um, they don't get wrestling as much as uh, they do here, so they tend to appreciate just a tiny little bit more because they don't get it as often. So who did you who did you work out in Germany, and how the match go? Uh, I worked in a triple threat. It was myself against uh, Steve Douglas and Lazio Fee. I, I hope I'm not uh, mispronouncing his name, but I believe it's Lazio Fee. Uh, the match was fun. Uh, granted, there was a language barrier, but uh, but we I think we we gave the crowd what they paid for. So yeah, it was it was a good match. Now you've done a lot of lucha shows. Where, now you've done a lot of lucha shows where. Uh, some of the people you're working against may speak Spanish. You also speak Spanish too, correct? Yes, it kind of uh, it kind of comes uh, part of the package of being Mexican. So <laughs> I can tell I can I can tell by your dirty accent. Okay, so um, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm not even saying because it's Black History Month, and I alluded at that. Like I told you, man, we're always right uh, in February. So back to what I was saying. So you've worked uh, you've worked lucha shows with uh, people speaking this, uh, Spanish, and as do you. Now, how do you communicate with someone who doesn't speak English or Spanish in the ring? This, this is where, where training comes into play. You, uh, before the match, you know, you, you try and, and come up with something, and you have to kind of show them what the move is, um, kind of like a mind. Uh, you, say, you say a word like suplex, they'll understand. But, like, for instance, in, uh, in Mexico, in Spanish, a suplex is an arm drag. Um, so, you know, that kind of doesn't really work when you go from from, from American to Lucha. Uh, again, because the suplex is an arm drag in, in Lucha. Uh, just different different names. So you kind of have to mime, mime it out, act it out. Uh, but you get, the, you get the idea across, and you just kind of go with it, go with the, how, the motion of it. So it helps it helps to train. Okay, so who did you grow up watching? Alex, before you get going, Alex, yeah. before you get going, I have a message from my seven-year-old son. He says, good night. Lovely. Have a good night. 
I while while you two gentlemen are talking, you know, I, I have real life daddy stuff going on here, so I had to tuck him in and give him a kiss goodnight. So but he wanted me to to tell Alex goodnight. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet, that's kind. <laughs> yeah. You better watch it, Alex. When when you're up here, man, he's got a hell of a guard. So you better watch yourself. <laughs> okay, so Casey, real quick, uh, before I get to my line of questioning, you've seen I, I believe you've at least one Chimera match before. So what are your opinions of uh, Young Chimera? I'm sorry? No, I'll, I'll <clears throat> think of the question. Me. That was for me. Oh, well, okay. it was solid. Um, They didn't do too much, which, you know, which shows you that, that uh, not just, not just uh, SoCal Crazy or Condi Jr., but also Chimera, they understand their place in the, in the, on the card where they didn't try to show up everybody. And that, for me, that shows respect. And uh, I think he's got, you know, all the potential in the world if he stays healthy. You know, I mean, it's 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 simple. Keep working those LLII shows when you can. Um, keep getting booked work for, for New Wave. And, <laughs> Have you no? that, uh, I, I usually tend to be a little bit based more on the Los Angeles area. That's kind of where, where I live. So uh, the only shows that I work down there really are SoCal Pro and New Wave. Um, just because oh, of the distance. AWS, don't you? Not yet. Not yet. Hopefully soon. That's my my next target. My oh, they book they both big trash as watch, but they both you come out still us. Uh well, you know what? It's, he's uh he's Eric Eric is, is has grown a lot and I'm really proud of Eric. Uh I I'm proud to to have been one of the guys to have helped him get into the business. So I'm really, really proud of Eric, and, and I just I see him grow as a person, as a wrestler. So to see him get into Epic as a main guy in Epic, and uh, uh, also uh, in in AWS, he's barely starting there. I'm I'm so proud of him, and just Eric, just keep going, brother. You know, you'll get up there. Yeah, Eric will be one of our guests Thursday, and then um, Eric, Eric's been doing really, really good for himself. And then uh, the crew that I normally see you hanging out with, I mean, they're they're a really good group of guys, and then you're. A, uh, amazing professional, and then uh, actually, I was talking to uh, one of my trainers, Ryan Stone, saying that you know, uh, I, I'm I'm very very shy person, so I don't usually pull veterans to the side that often and really uh, learn from them. But uh, you're 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 very young in the business, so I feel like you're approachable. And then uh, as a professional, I mean, you have a lot of lot of uh, advice and a lot of a lot of uh, just how you carry yourself is a lot to be learned from. So I like to amend you in that and say uh, continue doing that because uh, you're an awesome uh, person. But uh. Back to uh, what? Uh, when did you get started watching wrestling, and what kind of wrestling did you like watching when you were coming up? When I was a little baby Chimera, back when I was probably like five, uh, I started watching EMLL in Mexico, Lucha Libre, and one of my main idols back then was this guy named Atlantis. Um, I was just so obsessed with the guy, and uh, I used to live in Mexico for a couple of years, and then I moved back up here, and. I just Mexican wrestling wasn't wasn't on TV, so you know I I kind of lost interest in it as as far as that goes. Um, when I was around 16 or so, I I used to actually I used to live in uh, in Valley Center down in uh, in San Diego, and I took wrestling. I took uh, high school wrestling, and I got into wrestling like but amateur wrestling. Um, from there, one of my other classmates in the wrestling class used to watch WWF at the time. And he got me into it. He got me into it. Uh, we started watching, uh, uh, what was it? What was it? I believe it was WrestleMania 16. And I started getting into it. When 
when I saw WrestleMania 17, when I saw the ladder match between uh, the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and Dudley Boys, and I saw that one spot where Jeff was hanging from the belt and Edge speared him, that to me was awesome. That to me was kind of what rekindled the spark for wrestling. And that one spot right there made me want to go, I want to be a wrestler. Um, so from there, I just started, you know, watching it a little bit more and more and more. And uh, when I moved back up to here in L.A., I started I started going to Van Nuys High School, and unfortunately, that school did not have wrestling. So I kind of tossed that to the side a bit. I, I got a job, and I started working at 16. Um, but at the time, I started looking for, for groups of guys, you know, who had, at that time, a backyard fed, um, which I'm sure we'll speak of that in a little bit. Um, and then from there, you know, I found a couple of guys, and they had a backyard fed, but they had a ring. So... I started, I started, you know, you know, just messing around and 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 wrestling with them, and then from there, thankfully, I met this guy named Joe Medina, who was a promo is a promoter of uh, NTW, and uh, he gave me my first opportunity. And from there, just that was about a year and a half ago, and it just kicked off from there. And last year, I was really thankful to to meet my childhood hero Atlantis at an SCW show here in LA, um, and that to me was just awesome. That was just awesome. Um. So. So yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm like to. I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Like you, uh, you just brought up. I have a couple of uh, questions. Um. First of all, you said you did backyard wrestling, and actually, I looked on your uh, YouTube account today, and I saw uh, some of your old backyard uh, highlight reels, and I saw right. some interesting faces in there. So, who all used to do backyard with you back in the day? Uh, in the back day, uh, there was a couple of guys. Actually, I'm. I'm Again, it's another thing that I'm really proud of that a group of us started and most of us actually got trained and we went and we got we became wrestlers in the indie scene. Eric uh, was one of them, a friend of ours, Iron Eagle was another one of the guys. And there's a couple others who, you know, wrestle here and there every now and then. Um, but but we all did, you know, what we wanted. We, we chased a dream and we got trained and... You know, you look at Eric, he's doing really great, and I'm really thankful that I'm I'm still here. I'm still doing shows, uh, despite of how bad people look on, on, on back at wrestling. So we're still here. Okay, so in case any um, younger gentlemen are listening to the show and they uh, they do do backyard wrestling, as a former backyard wrestler, now a professional wrestler, what are some of your advice to backyard wrestlers to break into the business? Um, the best thing to do is, is get trained. I mean, that's, that's the best thing to do. Uh, we get hurt even though we get trained. So just not knowing what you're doing just increases the chances of getting hurt. Um, so the, the best advice I can, I can tell you everybody there is just to get trained. Um, there, you don't have to spend $5,000 to go to school. There are always people willing to help. Um, I was really lucky, uh, I, I met great people, and, and up to this point, you know, thankfully, I've never had to pay for training. Um, granted, you pay your dues, and you help out with the ring setup and ring maintenance and, and transportation, and you help out, but I haven't paid for re- uh, training yet. But that doesn't mean I haven't, you know, paid my dues. Um, so just train. That's the, that's the best thing I can advise anybody, just get trained. So did you go through any formal training, or did you... Uh pick up things here and there as you're working shows? Because I think no. you do have a list of trainers on your MySpace. So how, how yes. does that work out? Yes. Um, 
I let me see how how this started. Oh, I know how it started. Uh, it was about two years ago, roughly. We used to go to the PWG shows a lot, a lot. It, there was not a show we did not go to. And then from there, um, I spoke to Nemesis and I spoke to the Luchas, and I hope that they don't kill me because I'm putting their name out there. Um, but I spoke to them and I told them that I wanted to train, I wanted to become a wrestler. And, you know, I thank them so much. They told me, come down with us and train with us. Um, so we we actually, myself and a couple other people, started started going down from here in, uh, in the San Fernando Valley to uh, to Linwood, which is about an hour, an hour and a half, an hour bit of a drive to go train on Sundays and Wednesdays. And then from there, I, that's where those were actually my original trainers. Um, from there, I had an issue with work, and you know it was kind of far, uh, so I stopped training after about two months. And that's when that Joe Medina guy came along, and uh, he had a ring, and he lives like three, four blocks away from my house. So he uh, he introduced me to this guy named Latigo Blanco, and let me tell you this guy, this guy is pure lucha, but oh man, he's probably like four feet two inches, probably weighs about 120 pounds, dark brown, cannot speak a word of English. But for four, five months, roughly, he just beat my ass. Four months straight, he just beat my ass and not let me do anything. And I learned. I learned. So he was, Latino Blanco was probably one of my, my biggest trainers. Um, and then from there, I just started working shows little by little. And I met great people like Supreme and Chaos. And I met, uh, who also helped me train, uh, the stepfather, Johnny Webb, uh, amongst others. So I that's that's how I got my training. So when you started out working a lot of lucha shows, um, what, what's your favorite style to work, and what style do you think you're better at, uh, lucha libre or American? You know, it, I think the two the two styles are way different in, in the in how they approach approach the crowd. Uh, lucha libre is more it's more of a show. It's more of a family oriented. You know, it's more. You know, you don't really go to to show how much powerful you are over the other guy. You just want to entertain the crowd. As opposed to, yeah, the American style is more, you know, hard bumps, you know, harder, who's, who's stronger kind of a kind of a deal, um, which I love both. And I think that I'm, again, lucky that I know both styles, so I can kind of mix them into into one. Uh, I, I don't know what you would call it, American Lucha maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's, I, I like them both for different reasons. Okay, so you know, a good person to ask this to. Can can you explain uh, the lucha psychology? Because it's not like American psychology where you'll work a part of the body and then that'll sometimes play into the finish, or you know, you tell a uh, you tell a different story in your match with American wrestling. How uh, how do you how can you best describe uh, uh, the psychology in a lucha libre match if there isn't? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's gotta yeah, be. I, wait, there was psychology in lucha. I, I didn't. I wasn't aware of this. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's, it's, you know, it's, again, it's different, different style. And in, in lucha, there's not really much psychology. It's, um, it's more of a good versus evil, always, always good versus evil. Uh, and that's really all the psychology you need. Um, uh, for instance, in in American style, you know, you 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 don't really play too much of the good versus evil. You just play who's who's the bad and who's who's uh who has better skill. Um, as opposed to again in the and the lucha side is, is the yin and yang, you know, the black and white, the good and the evil. Um, that's probably the best I can describe it. And it's it's more of a show. It's more, you know, get get the crowd involved in lucha. Um, uh, more of a one-on-one one on one kind of a basis. 
So I, I, there's no real, there's no real psychology, and I'll be the first to admit. <laughs> okay, so you said uh, your tra- your trainer oftentimes just beat the crap out of you and didn't let you get anything in. When you first started working shows, uh, would you consider yourself stiff? At first, no, no. When I first started, no, no, no. I was I was just really really shy. Um, more so because when I first started, actually the first guy that I worked uh, in a real match was Marcus Wright. And I had heard so much about him, so I didn't want to come off, you know, as some stiff, uh, something like that. So I, I was really soft, and he kind of, uh, <laughs> he, he, he taught me a thing or two um, just because I, I messed up. I messed up, and it's going to happen. And, you know, the rule is you mess up, you, you're going to get stiff. So... I learned my lesson, but I, I thank him. <laughs> I thank him for for that day. Okay, and so um, wow. Um, also, I see on your uh, match they worked some matches for Drill and Unleashed, and they used the six sided ring. So, how's the transition from working a four sided ring to a six sided ring? You know, surprisingly, surprisingly, the six sided ring was very soft. It was very bouncy. Um, now, if you're a geek like myself, you'll you'll know why. Just because there's there's more. Uh, more center, center bounce, um, and that's more geometry than anything else. But um, <laughs> but it was very surprisingly bouncy. Um, what I was told is it's also kind of like the the American or the four sided ring that you have the small, you have the the eighteen foot, and you have the twenty or whatever it is. So the one that I worked in was relatively small, probably compared to the sixteen by sixteen. Um, but it was very soft, and I would want to work there again, hopefully soon. One of the biggest, uh, a lot is I watch TNA somewhat, and then uh, most of the guys don't. It doesn't seem like it's that bad of a transition. But one guy in particular, I don't, I don't know if you saw this match. KZ probably did. It was uh, the first time that Tiger Mask Four came over, and then uh, I don't remember who he was working, but I know he's work. I don't remember who his partner was, but he's working the machine guns, and he seemed like he could not figure the the six hundred ring out and where to hit the ropes and where to be, and he just. I just felt bad for him. He looked really lost in that match. And so I was wondering if you had ever had any similar stories, but I guess you haven't. So, uh, Not like we'll... that, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll uh, digress. Um, who are some of the biggest people that you met in the Lucha Libre scene? Because I've seen a lot of pictures on your MySpace. Um, I, I've, I've always loved Lucha. Um, and, again, thankfully I've, I've met uh, quite a few people. Uh, Atlantis was... Uh, Top, top of the chain. Here, Mascarita Sagrada, uh, who is a little nigger who does like the most amazing things in the world. I met him. Uh, he as tall as my knee. That's, he's really short, but it's awesome stuff that he does. Um, let me see. Mystico, El Santo, um, Octagon. Uh, just I, I, the list is endless. I mean, it really is. Uh, I've been really lucky. Um, Granted, these shows that I met them at, I was in security or guerrilla position or I was hopping out. I wasn't working them. But still, the point is, I got a picture and I shook their hands. So <laughs> I, that made my day. I mean, I never, I didn't wash my hands for like three days uh, <laughs> until I forgot and I actually did wash my hands. But that was a whole different story. Um, so when you first started working shows and then you met someone that uh, you you knew of from the past, you know, either Atlantis or whoever, um, which one of those guys that you met were really helpful and really uh, in teaching you some stuff? The ones that taught me stuff? Mm-hmm. Has, uh, any, has any so-called big names? Uh, Chris Hero probably once. I didn't get a chance to work with him, but um, he 
he was at a show that I was at, and he actually, I asked him for advice. Um, he didn't watch the match, but, you know, he, he kind of knew by what I was asking that I was new. So, the and, and I, always, I always remember this. He, always, he, told, he said, uh, you're never too good not to train. Um, and I, I still believe, I believe that. I really do. Um, you're never too good not to train. Because uh, you, you do have a lot of egos in wrestling. I'm sure you've, you've seen it. You have a lot of egos. Um, and a lot of guys who, in their minds, they say, oh, you know, I don't need to train. I'm, I'm a superstar already. Um, but we all know what happens when you don't train. You get rusty. You know, you, you, don't, you don't really follow what's new or anything like that. So train. Uh, he, he told me that, and I, it sticks with me for like, the longest. And still, it's still there. Oh, wow. Um, have you seen any of uh, Chris Hero stuff in Chikara? Do you, do you watch in Chikara? In, in what? In Chikara? Yeah, do you watch him yeah. tomorrow? Yes, yes. I've seen him. Uh, him and Claudio do do amazing stuff there. And there's this other guy there who who I've been watching a lot, and I'm just, like, in awe by what he does. Uh, I can't pronounce his name, but I think he's, like, Skyed or Skatey or something like that. Oh, hey, Rivera. That's easy. <laughs> okay. <there. laughs> well, that guy, man, just awesome stuff. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe he's the one that's been teaching uh, – Claudio and and Alex Shelley and uh, Chris Hero a lot of the lucha stuff, um, which again just makes those guys a lot better and just more fun to watch at least for for me at least. Um, but yeah, that guy's just awesome, just simply awesome. Yes, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, Hor- uh, I can't pronounce his other gimmick either, but I, he worked as a lot of different gimmicks. And this is another transitional question I'm gonna get to. But uh, he worked as a lot of different gimmicks, and he ended up dropping the Sky Cave gimmick here in Mexico recently to Mystico. And now he's working a lot of Dragon Age shows with Jorge Rivera again. But uh, as another man, I don't, I don't know if we can break K-Save like this, but uh, you work a lot of different gimmicks as well. I've seen you masked and unmasked. And then uh, as a growing up watching Lucha Libre, and I, I know you looked up to a lot of luchadors, how do you feel that the respect factor is with the, the mask? Uh, how, how seriously do you take your mask gimmick? Oh, uh, the the mask in itself is just a tradition. That's actually why I decided to go under the hood as my main gimmick. I mean, yeah, you have your, your side gimmick uh, just in case, for instance, you have to work double or or you just want to try something else. You want to try a different style. Uh, but the, the mask, that's just, it's it's a whole history behind it. Um, you know, the, the what you choose as a character or or just how much value you add to your, your, your mask just by, by working with it and respecting it. Um, like for instance, I don't plan on having a match where somebody rips my mask. You know, not anytime soon. Uh, that's that's not uh, disrespect. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, there's so much respect to the mask and, and how you you carry it. Uh, you'll see a lot of guys. You know, they go everywhere. At least back in the day in Mexico, they'll go everywhere with the mask. Um, uh, I couldn't go <laughs> that far just because you know we get pulled over by the cops or. <laughs> or you know, people look at you weird, or they think you're a terrorist at the airport, or something. But, uh, but yeah, there's so much respect behind the mask, and that's why I decided to go under it. How did you uh, come up with the chimera gimmick? What does uh, chimera mean? You know, okay, uh, okay. So first of all, it's pronounced chimera. Uh, you you say it right, but uh, a lot of people when they say it, they say chimera or whatever. And I mean, I understand. <laughs> chimera. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you where where it came from. There is a band from. Uh, from over in the other side of uh, the U.S., and they're called Chimera. And I, I was interested by the name. And I went online, and I researched what a Chimera was. 
and I it was Greek mythology. It's a it's a monster, the Greek monster. Uh, it's a lion, a dragon, and a goat. Um, a lot of people laugh when they when I say goat, but the goat's supposed to represent stability and balance. Um, also, a chimera is also a fish. It's a virus, and it's a car engine. So take your pick, <laughs> and that's what I am. <laughs> Have you ever? Uh... Now, I've, I've, like I said, I've seen you work without your mask and with your mask on. Have you ever uh, thought about coming up with another mask gimmick instead of uh, working without the mask? Uh, with another mask? Yes. Uh, I've thought about it, but here's another one of those lessons that, that I was told. Uh, somebody had asked me once, uh, let's say you have, you have two people and they have to carry pails of water from one end to another end, from point A to point B. Who do you think would get faster to point A the per, or to the end? Yeah, the person who carries the, a couple of pails um, about halfway and goes back, gets the other half, you know, and so on and so on, or the guy that just goes straight. And I said the guy who takes uh, different pails and stops at halfway and comes back. And he said, no. He said, no, you would get faster if you just carry one gimmick all the way to the top. Um, but in the, I, I see what he's saying. I, see, I understand. And I think it's true. I think it's true because if you stop and then go back and do something else, people are going to forget about your original one. So that's why I decided to stick with this one, um, with with this mask. And here I am. Very interesting. Um, who's one guy that uh, you've worked in the ring with and you learned more working in the ring? Well, I don't want to say more, but you learned a lot working in the ring with them that you couldn't have learned in training. Uh, Joey Harder. Joey Harder, definitely. Uh, my style was always, you know, high flying, high flying, you know, this and that or whatever. And then I worked him at uh, at Battleground uh, last year, and there was no high spots. It was just wrestling, and that taught me so much. Um, I, I was just, I, I, I thanked him, and it was funny because we just wrestled, and I, I was blown. I was tired after about two minutes because uh, I don't know, maybe my body was. And was thinking, you know, go faster, go faster, but he just kept me grounded. He kept me down, and he slowed me down, and he was talking to me the whole time, and, and I learned so much from working him. Um, another one of the guys was Disco Machine. Uh, I just learned so much from working with Disco. Um, LTP was another one. Uh, just just awesome stuff. I mean, different styles, uh, and I learned different lessons. So I, I guess those three guys. Okay, so you you brought up another uh, name, LTP. Um, when did you first meet LTP, and then um, what all have you done with LTP? I I met LTP. Man, when was it? About a year? No, a little less than a year ago. I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, it was when I'm trying to think. They were trying to start a promotion uh, in Ventura County called uh, CWX. It was himself, uh, Bad Blood, and Eric. Uh, they were coming up with this promotion, and I was asked to to work the show. So I, uh, it was cool. Um, the first show was myself, uh, LTP, I believe, Kid Carnage, and uh, Angel Stone. And actually, that was the first time I worked LTP. And then from there, you know, I I, I really enjoyed working with LTP, and I worked them a couple more times after, um, all leading up to. Uh, Soul Cop Pro uh, two months ago. Two months ago, yeah. 
Uh, and I just I love that match. I love working LTP. He's very fun to work with. Um, and actually, I have uh, I'm going up against him again at a new wave on March uh, 15th, I believe. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's myself, him, and uh, T.J. Perkins in a triple threat. So that should be fun. I was gonna get that to a little bit later, but um, since we're on it, we might as well discuss it. Um, in that match, um, you're working LTP, who uh, you're familiar with. But uh, how familiar are you with T.J. Perkins? Uh, this he goes back. I've been a fan of uh, TJ since uh, PWG. Um, I just love love how he works. He's very he's very solid in what he does. And and what's really really cool about him is that when you watch him wrestle, um, he doesn't have to do any big spots or any big moves or anything like that. He's just very solid. He always knows what to do next. Um, and you just get that vibe from him that he, he's confident. He knows what he's doing. And and yeah, but he's not cocky about it. Um, so that's just I I would I'm so excited to be able to work with uh, TJ. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, KZ will be down for that uh, show, and then of course I'll be I'll be working the show in one way or another. And then um yeah, that's one match on that card. It's it's definitely definitely I'm really looking forward to, and hopefully I'll be able to see it. Uh, that match has it's got a lot of potential. To, still the show, it's going to be awesome. Um, oh, it will it will be a show. I'm guaranteeing that one right now. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so crazy and uh and uh chaos I, I i'm picking that one right now because they've worked uh two times already i don't know if you saw the match at the last new wave show you were at but uh, they had a mixed tag team match and that match was just amazing and then uh you've worked so crazy uh you've worked so crazy a number of times and uh how, how would you uh what, what would you say about so crazy as a worker you know, as a worker, he's very easy to work with, uh, and I really enjoy working with him because he's one of those guys that, you know, granted, uh, we all the matches that I've had with him, he's probably had about maybe 10 minutes to, to go over a match. Um, if if anything, the last time I worked with him, actually, we had about five. Uh, he showed up a little late. He was stuck in traffic, and he showed up maybe about five minutes before we went on. And so we were talking about the match before uh, before we went on while he was changing. Um, but what's awesome about him is, you know, you, you tell him, hey, I want to try this out. He's like, okay, cool, you know, let's let's do it. Um, and it just makes him more confident, you know, that, that you can do it because he's okay with it. And, you know, there's that trust. Um, he's one of those guys that uh, I've never tried anything in the ring with him before prior to the match. And thankfully during the match, he comes off just, again, because of that chemistry. Uh, he's another one of those guys that I really enjoy working with. Um, so this message goes out to Jeff. Hey, what happened, man? I thought we were gonna have another uh, another uh, Chimera Soka crazy match. All of a sudden, gets changed. What the hell? <laughs> anyway, but uh, no, awesome, awesome guy to work with. Okay, so um, of all the guys in Southern California that you haven't worked already, or you're not currently booked to go against, uh, what guys would you like to see yourself uh, up against? Other than Alex Singh, because I, I know you want to work me. Um, of course, of course. Uh, <laughs> You'd beat the crap out of me. I'd mess up. Look at the time. I think I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Right now, at the top of my list, Little Cholo. Uh, uh, no questions asked. Just, uh, man, I, I admire the guy so much. Uh, Little Cholo. Um, yeah, Little Cholo. I would oh. really want to work with Cholo. Who are you booked against at the next year Epic show? Epic? Uh, if I'm even booked, I don't even know. <laughs> you should talk to Gary about putting you against Cholo at the next show. So, yeah, that's, that's, that would be a good... I, I would really love to work Cholo. Uh, that's another one of those guys. Um, I, would get a, I would love to get a hold of uh, or get a match with uh, Infernal as well. 
if he didn't. Uh, I think he's taking a break. I'm not too sure. But I think he's on a hiatus or something like that at the moment. But I would like to work uh, in for now once again. Um, so those those two guys. Okay, so um, for um, next I'll ask you about some uh, epic questions. But uh, first, at uh, the last epic show, um, there was a man in the locker room, the man, the myth, the legend, Teddy Hart. Do you have any good Teddy Hart stories? Uh, you know, you always hear so many bad things about Teddy Hart. I, I've heard rumors about him, you know, arrogant or anything or stuff like that. But when I talked to him, when I met him, just real down to earth, he was really, really calm. Um, we we always used to, we usually try to try stuff out in the ring prior to the show. So I was trying stuff out with LPP, and he would come up to us. He's like, "Oh, hey, you know what? Can you can you do that again? I want to see that." Um, so I don't know. I, I have nothing bad to say about the guy. He he just down to earth, really cool guy. Um, so I don't know where the rumors came from, but I I can't say that the rumors are true, personally. Okay. So um, now the pro wrestling epic war, uh, epic war, whatever the promotion's name, I just call it epic. epic. Um, you you were around during uh, you were around the SoCal scene uh, during the original incarnation of Epic, so I imagine that you heard uh, all the stories about Gary Yap. And uh, what are yeah. your opinions of Gary Yap? And then uh, how do you feel? Uh, h- how do you enjoy working the, the Epic shows and, and that crowd in Newhall? You know what? I, I heard the stories and and I don't know. It's just I I, I love Gary, but I could see it happening. Um, but up to this point, Gary hasn't done me wrong yet. So I, I can't say anything bad about him just because he hasn't done anything to me. Um, the crowd is always always fun. Uh, you always have the drunken white side, and on the other side you have the drunken Mexican side. So <laughs> it's, yeah, you can always appeal to one or the other. Um, so it's, uh, New Hall is so much fun. Uh, I love working Epic. Uh, it's it's so much fun, and and actually Epic is one of the shows that I actually work at the face. So it's it's always fun to to work face. Um, I don't I don't play face much much often anymore. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I've seen you mostly as a heel now that I think about it. Uh, what what do you enjoy working more, a face or a heel? Well, heel is a lot easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier. You just mess with the crowd and then you know just boom, bump a couple of times for the guy. You know, base him for for a little thing here and there. But for the most part, you control the match. The the heel controls the match. The the pace of it. Uh, you let him do something. Boom, whatever. You stop him. Uh, work him on the ground a little, slow him down, take a breather, uh, play with the crowd, come back, you know, do another spot, slow him down, and then do the dives and then do the finish. Um, but but I, I miss I miss the the face side of it where you can do all the flips, you can do all that all that stuff, and and uh, I miss finding other guys at the show. <laughs> now, if, if you're working uh, if you're working as a face, have you ever just worked a heel? Because uh, a heel has to control the match, and uh, generally when a uh, Younger wrestlers are starting out. Normally, they start out as a face, so they can work with more experienced heels, so they can be taught how to how to work a match properly. Right. Have you ever worked a heel that just had no idea and you pretty much had to walk him through the match? Yep, yep. Uh, there was a the there was a <laughs> oh man, there was this this kid that we were training, and uh, he actually got a hold of the dojo, so he started working at the dojo at the Noki Dojo, and uh, at the dojo, I always worked. Face. I'm to heel. I always work heel. Well, I don't know where in their mind they decided to switch it up last minute and make him the heel and me the face. Bear in mind, this guy is probably half my size. 
uh, he's shorter, he's a lot thinner, he's a lot more built, you know, the, the, the what a face should be. And he's very athletic. So this kid, still, he's still new. I mean, he has a lot of athleticism, but he's still really new. Um, so that match wasn't necessarily one of my, my top favorites just because he wasn't really sure what to do. I was trying to talk to him most of the match, but he was lost. He was really lost. He didn't know what to do. Um, so yeah, yeah, I've been in the ring, and you kind of you kind of get scared a little because you don't know what he's gonna do, or just because he's not properly trained all the way yet. So it's it's a scary, it's a little scary. Um, when did you first start working uh, the dojo shows, and then uh, how do you enjoy working the dojo shows? Uh, let me see, let me see. I got I started working the dojo shows thanks to Eric Eric Watts. He actually put in the the work for me, so I started working there. The first match that I had was actually myself and Steve Payne against uh, Bad Blood and Eric Watts. Um, and that was, again, one of those matches that was kind of last minute, so we just kind of threw as much as we could in there. Um, so I wouldn't say it was a bad match, but it wasn't an off, outstanding match. It was it was good. It was decent. Um, now, the dojo, they, they run things a little weird sometimes. Um I'm not necessarily happy with with all the choices they've made, but you know, for every bad choice, you know, they make two good ones or something like that. So you know, they're, they're, it's 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 okay. It's okay to work there from from me at least. I see the dojo shows as being predominantly lucha libre shows, and uh, it started out as uh, the New Japan, uh, basically so they could train uh, American wrestlers to be prepared to go to New Japan and work for their system. Now, how the is there a Japanese influence? Is that, you haven't ever trained at the dojo, correct? I'm sorry? Uh, that? I haven't trained at the dojo? Yeah, have you ever trained at the dojo? No, I've never trained at the dojo. Okay, so when you're working the shows, how much of a, a Japanese influence, per se, is left in the dojo? Because uh, it, it didn't start out as a Lucha Libre uh, promotion when it started out. <laughs> how much Japanese influence? Uh, the pictures on the wall. Uh, the pictures on the wall, the Japanese flag that's in a... Uh, uh, inside the, the arena, but that's that's about it. Um, it's yeah, it's more of a predominantly lucha libre show. Um, the I'll be honest, I mean, the the quality of the dojo shows have gone way down since uh, Rocky and and all of them left. Uh, but it's it's different, it's different. So it, it's it's more of a transition. So we're kind of stuck. They're stuck in the middle right now, um, finding their new way or or whatnot. Um, so as far as Japanese influences right now, it's <laughs> just the pictures on the wall. Oh wow. Okay, so um have you seen uh in transitioning to Japanese pro wrestling? Have you ever seen any Japanese pro wrestling? Uh well not live, but I've seen a lot of videos and actually lately I've been uh I've been watching a lot of uh Tiger Mask and uh, Dynamite Kid. I've been watching a lot of that. Um I actually have been watching a lot of that, Great Muda, um uh early uh I can't I can't remember his name and he's such a popular name, Hayabusa, I'm sorry. The name just off my head. I've uh, been watching a lot of their stuff uh, from back in the '80s, and just awesome. Just they don't have to do too much, just one big spot, and then just you know, just the way they 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 play with the crowd, and the way they have the crowd in their hands is just awesome. But then again, you know, the Japanese crowd is a lot different than American crowd. So, um, and just to, just to let you know that uh, one of TJ Perkins' favorite wrestler, if not his favorite wrestler ever, was Tiger Mask. So uh, just just to let you know that uh, there's some similarities there. Um, now, when you work, have you ever worked face uh, without a mask? Face without a mask? No. 
Okay, yeah. so when you're working as a heel with a mask and without a mask, what are uh, some of the differences that uh, you have? Because obviously they can't see your facial expressions. Well, just in general, how, how is it working with a mask and without the mask? Well, anybody who's worked with a mask and without a mask knows the difference, first of all, in breathing. Uh, that's the best part about going without a mask. You can breathe so much better. Um, <laughs> it's, it's such a hassle at times to, to breathe when, when you have a mask. So, like, if anything, sometimes you'll see, you know, you'll see guys with masks, you know, pull on the, the nose part of it to let air in because you, you just, a lot of it is anaerobic exercise. You hold your breath and you do your thing and then, you know, you stop and that's when you take a breath. Uh, and that's that's one of the, the bad parts about uh, wearing a mask. Um, but that's, that's really it, just the breathing. Um, but, again, when, when you wear a mask, you have to be more more physical. Uh, in your expression, you because you can't show facial expressions, so you have to show with your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so um, let me see here. Okay, so um, you've worked a couple shows uh, here in San Diego, and uh, how would you say? How would you compare a San Diego crowd for? The, I mean, to a LA crowd, and then how would you compare an LA crowd in the San Diego crowd to a Mexican crowd? Because you've also you've worked Lucha Libre shows, but also haven't you worked in Mexico? Yes, sir. Uh, I worked uh, I worked in Mexicali in Mexico. Uh, myself, Eric Watts, and uh, uh, American Rebel. I'm sorry. Uh, against three luchadores, and uh, it's it's again it's different. The the crowd is so much different just because. You, you you play with the crowd more. It's more of a show, so you, you play with the crowd more. And we had so much fun. And funny story, actually, with with Eric, we went to a mall before in Mexico before uh, the show because we had time. And bear in mind, you know, you know, Eric, he's tall, dark, you know, he has a deep voice. Um, and <laughs> walking down the mall, and I kid you not, people that are walking by would either pull their kids in a lot closer or hold on to their purse tightly. And it was it was just one of those stories that was really funny. Um, but but the differences between Mexico to here is different. I mean, uh, Mexico and Mexico's wrestling is is more of a sport. You know, it's, it's more legit. Um, so people show, show a little bit more appreciation. Um, and again, it's just it's more of a show. You mess with the crowd and and you're in. Um, in in San Diego, what was really cool about working the first local pro show is that, without from my understanding, there hadn't been wrestling in a while. So to put wrestling back in the scene, you know, it was just awesome in San Diego. So they appreciate it. Um, and out here in L.A., it's a little different because uh, you do have to work more of a psychology uh, than anything else um, just because they're used to the same high spots. So you have to kind of learn different ways to get into the crowd with, and that's psychology. So those, I guess, are the bigger, biggest differences between the three. Have you ever worked in front of what you would consider like a smart mark crowd? And then uh, how do you enjoy working I mean, how how do you change how you work uh, for a certain? I mean, as you were, as you were. Okay, so have you ever worked in front of a crowd that you would consider like a small mark crowd? Yes, uh, and unfortunately for me, it was during early in my career. Um, oh no. Yeah, so I mean, psychology was not in. in it's, I'm still learning. You know, I'm still learning. I've only been doing this for about a year and a half, so I'm still learning the process of it. But yeah, they they written me a new asshole on so count senses. Um, <laughs> multiple times, um, and and I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it bums you up, but at the same time, you, you can't be too hard on yourself because you're still learning. Um, mm-hmm. it was it was something. <laughs> it was something. <laughs> you 
Yes, uh, SoCal Uncensored. I, I've still not figured out if that's smart marks that post on there or if they're uh, boys who just talk shit. <laughs> I think that I think they're workers. Most of them are workers. I really do. Um, but you know, I don't know for sure, so I can't say it is. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, luckily I've learned real early. Uh, two different people. They're not really. Uh, not really let that message board get me down. You know, there's not really a predominant uh, another message board in California right now. But uh, right. I've learned not to let that message board get me down. So if anybody posts anything negative about me or the promotion that I work for, they kind of just take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. <laughs> plus, plus uh, on a board like that, like companies like, like EWF and uh, AWS and PWG set the standards so high. But for their own right, you know, I mean, those companies are do do really well for a reason. But in, in the fans' eyes, you know, that's the bar. So if you don't come any, anywhere near near it, you know, you're not worthy of of being mentioned. You know, they're on a good note. Um, so for the most part, it does tend to be a little bit more biased. Um, but like I said, it's for their own right. I mean, those companies are are just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so um, with you you having about a year and a half in the business, what are some uh, good advice that uh, you could give the younger workers? And then what are some mistakes either in the locker room or uh, of all the things that don't involve actually getting in the ring wrestling, what are some mistakes that uh, younger wrestlers make? Uh, I'll tell you mistakes that I've made, and if those are mistakes that uh, other workers have made, we'll learn from this. Uh, First of all, if you're learning, just go in the locker room, shake everybody's hand, you know, even if you're not happy to be there, pretend you're happy to be there, and sit down and shut up. That's that's the best thing I can tell you, just shut up. Uh, don't put yourself over in a match uh, after in the locker room. Don't don't talk too much about your match uh, prior or before it. Uh, don't mark out for yourself. Um, just because you see older guys and, you know, in their mind they're just like, who are you? You know, why are you talking? Shut up. So that's one of the things. Just go in, you know, and even if you're not happy to be there, pretend to be happy, um, and just shut up. Also, humble yourself. People have to learn to be humble. Um, you have a lot of egos, and a lot of them, unfortunately, are from newer guys just because they do one or two crazy spots because so they're so hungry to be in the business that they put themselves over so much, and people have to learn to be humble. That's a big thing. Um, let me see, let me see. Those are mistakes that I made. Uh, so, yeah, just be humble and, and shut up. <laughs> what are some other mistakes that you see uh, younger wrestlers make? I mean, you don't have to say any names, but uh, what are some other mistakes that not only you, not that you may have not necessarily made, but some uh, other younger workers, or maybe in some, uh, you know, not so much younger workers, but I mean, uh, what are some other mistakes that you've seen that you don't necessarily like about a, a locker room? You don't have to give any names or say any locker rooms, but I mean, what are some things that you've seen that you don't, you know, necessarily like or don't think is right? I'm asking uh, this man because I'm a young worker, man. I'm trying to learn. No, yeah. <laughs> well, you sh- well, here's one of them. When you shake somebody's hand, look at them. You know, don't give them that that handshake and look somewhere else. Look at the person. You know, like smile. You know, and and that's that's one thing that kind of gets to me a little. Um, that's that's it really. Uh, again, other than that, just just being humble is, is really important. And that really does clear up a lot of uh, a lot of things. Just be humble, mm-hmm. and that's that's all I can say. Uh, one thing that uh, this is this is just for me. I, I don't I don't know if it's tradition or whatever, but uh, I'm I'm in the Marine Corps as my day job, and then uh, 
one of my biggest things, like my biggest pet peeves, is that if I, I shake someone's hand, I want them to stand up. Like, is, is there a veteran worker I understand? Because you know who am I? But I mean, if Sam is much ten years me, or if, especially with me being as junior as I am, that you know I'm always sure to shake up, stand up when I shake someone's hand. I just see that as being so disrespectful. If I go train and then I'm in the ring, you know, I might be taking a break, you know, because uh, sometimes I'll, I'll go train somewhere and the trainer might show up a little bit late because, and then uh, I'm always sure to shake, you know, stand up and someone's stand hand, up. You yes. Know? yes. That's, that's yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a big uh, sign of respect. So I, I encourage that. Um, also, also, if a veteran comes up to you and, and tells you, you know, gives you advice or something like that, uh, tells you something about your match, which is, you know, maybe constructive criticism, just, just say okay. You know, just don't, don't try and defend yourself. Just, just again, shut up and just okay. Uh, thank you. You know, thank you. Because um, you have a lot of guys who will try to explain themselves after the veteran told them. You know what went wrong or, or or whatnot, and it just makes the the rookie or whatever uh, look foolish. All it is is thank you. Yeah. Okay, and that's it. So, so um, now this is uh, I, I've experienced this very very little because I, I've trained at a couple different places. Have you uh, and then also you've trained in uh, different styles in lucha and American. So have you ever done you know I'll throw an example on arm drag. Have you ever done an arm drag or any other move? and been told that this is flat out wrong, this is not how you do it, and then how, how do you react to a situation like that? Because I have a story where I'm, I, I was uh, I was shown one way to do a top wrist lock, and then I went and trained somewhere else, and then uh, I was flat out told that, no, this is not the way you do a top wrist lock, yeah. this is the way you do it. But then I'll watch wrestling DVDs, and then I'll see very famous workers do the top wrist lock like that. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, and and uh, that kind of falls into the the category of when uh, somebody else tells you, a veteran tells you, hey, you know, you should do this instead. You have your style, and and you know, unfortunately, you're not going to know to change it. You have your way of doing things. Um, like myself, I have certain things of doing things. I just can't do it another way. But for that one training session, you know, out of respect, you know, do it the way they tell you. Uh-huh. Um, so again, during that one training session, do what you're told, not what you know at the time. So, if that answers anything, <laughs> just again, just shut up and just do it. That's again, that's it. Okay. And so um, we're winding down here. We got 14 minutes left. Um, what do you? Uh, what what is? Do you have any good road stories? Because uh, you've traveled to Las Vegas and work shows in Mexico and in uh, Germany. Do you have any really good road stories that you care to share with us on the air? Yes, actually, one of the funniest ones actually was not on the road, but in the ring. Um, I was working at Triple Threat, and one of the guys I was working with, he was hungry, so he decided to go get McDonald's probably 20 minutes before the match. And myself and the other guy told him, don't eat, you know, wait till after the match. And he said, no, he was hungry. So he decided to get himself a couple of cheeseburgers. Well, the last spot was, because it was more of a comedy match, the last spot was he was going to bump me, and then he was going to give uh, guy B um, a Canadian destroyer. From there, uh, guy A, who had eaten the McDonald's, was going to lay down next to me and just kind of sell a little while guy B stumbled a little and just fell on top of us and pinned us. That was the finish. Well, I'm laying down. The guy, guy A, does a Canadian destroyer to guy B, but guy B doesn't flip all the way. So guy, uh, guy B lands on guy A on his stomach. All of a sudden, he smells something. <laughs> uh, he's laying down next to me while the guy B is staggering around 
And he's like, uh, do you smell that? And I said, yes. And he says, I shit myself. Before any reaction, guy B falls on top of guy A's face. Uh, they count the pin, and then next thing you know, he just runs out. He just rolls out of the ring and, and holding his pants. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very smelly. It stank a lot. <laughs> so, you know, little stories like that. But, but <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so do you, uh, since you kind of avoided my question, that was a good story, but uh, do you have Not any good <laughs> Do you have any stories about uh, your travels to Germany? Oh, your travel uh, oh, to Germany. To Germany, oh my goodness. Uh, on the way there, on the way there, we stopped in Amsterdam, from LA to Amsterdam, and then we're going to hop on another plane from Amsterdam to Bremen, Germany. Um, well, nobody had told me that they weren't going to unload my, my luggage in Amsterdam, and they were going to send it straight to Bremen. So at this point, I was up for about 10 hours. And I did not sleep. I was really tired. I was hungry. I was not in the mood for anything. We go to the baggage claim, and my, my bag is not there. I have my gear. I have a belt. It's worth easily $3,000. Um, and my bag is not there. I'm freaking out. Uh, my eyes are bloodshot red from not sleeping. And, and again, I'm just freaking out like crazy. I go, and I'm walking around. Translate to bad wealth. Uh, 30 minutes later, I finally go to, I meet this lady who helps me out, and she's got my ticket, and she says, um, oh, yeah, your bag is in, uh, is in Germany, it's not here. That happened. Um, on the way back, on the way back, how this happened, I don't know, but I had my passport with me. We get off the plane from Bremen to Amsterdam on the way back, and I can't find my passport. I don't know where it is, I'm freaking out, everybody out of the plane, um, and I'm, I'm looking all over the place with my passport. I can't find it. Um, next thing I know, I hop a seat forward and I see my passport. Man, I was like, how the hell did it get to the seat? That was another story that just really almost freaked me out. Uh, just because I didn't have the money to come back home on another plane uh, if I had to wait. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stories like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so, um, so kind of, pro- they kind of have a, somewhat a roster of guys that they use generally, and those are normally the shows that I see you working the most. Um, out of the guys who regularly work at SoCal Pro shows, or even guys that they, they bring in every once in a while, who are some guys that you would like to work in the future that you haven't already? In the future, I would like to – actually, they haven't brought him in a while, but I would love to work with Chaos. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that he's just very funny. He knows what he's doing. He's very confident in what he does as well. Um, chaos, of course, I would, love, I would love to get in the ring with Pierce just because he has so much knowledge and his style is so much different from mine. I want to learn from him. Um, I would love to get in the ring with Pierce. Uh, so I guess for the time being, Pierce and, uh, yeah, Pierce and, uh, oh, and the Ballards. The Ballards, I want to wrestle the Ballards. Um, I would really like to get in there with him. But we're both here, so I don't think there's a possibility of us going head to head. Maybe it's a tag, but not one on one. Okay, so that brings up another question. If you if you had the opportunity to work the Ballard Brothers and then uh, that scumbag promoter, Jeff Dino, uh, said, you know, I'll let you work the Ballards, but you have to pick the partner. Who would you uh, select as a partner for that match? I was just joking about Jeff being a scumbag. Jeff's awesome. Jeff awesome. He's, listening. He's listening. Jeff, I'm playing with you. Don't get mad. <laughs> so if Jeff gave you the opportunity to pick a taxi partner that you could uh, go against the Ballards, who would you select? You mean besides Alex Saint? 
Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what? I I don't know. I, I didn't think it all the way through. Uh, I just thought about the ballads, and that was it. Uh, <laughs> my boy Eric. I would love to have my boy Eric with me. Uh, I I'm really proud of Eric, and I would I would like to to work with uh, with the ballads uh, with Eric on my set. So I pick Eric. So Jeff, book Eric. <laughs> I don't know, man. If he books Eric, then I'm going to be lonely sitting over there because me and Eric always sit and talk at the shows. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't book many black people, does he? Damn. No, I'm not trying to say anything. I'm not trying to say anything. <laughs> okay, so um, Eric Watts, who's also going to be our guest on Thursday. Um, who would you rather work in a match? Eric Watts, uh, the Southern California Independent Wrestler, or Eric Watts, Bill Watts' son? <laughs> uh, you mean, no, not that Eric Watts. Uh, not that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've, I've been re- with Eric for two years, almost two years. I've only worked him once, one-on-one, once at all, really. Uh, and that was actually his first match. It was me and him. And since then, I haven't worked Eric one-on-one, so I would want to work with Eric. Uh, uh, again. Okay. Um, actually, I spoke to uh, another independent professional wrestler that was a former backyard wrestler, and then he told me that one of the one the one of the if you can consider it a good thing, one of the, one of the good things about him doing backyard wrestling previously is that he had a lot of creativity in the ring, to where he sees a lot of guys who don't who get a start in the business and don't start out doing backyard wrestling. They have less creativity now. Um, Obviously, I mean, uh, you you don't condone backyard wrestling, and then, uh, but are there some advantages? Do you say to you starting out doing backyard wrestling? Yes, I think there is. Um, our, well, again, you have to understand our difference. Though we had a ring when we did yeah. backyard wrestling, so that's that's a big difference. And uh, I'm I'm not a fan of of you know those kids, you know, with the chairs and and the the fake tables and you know gigging every every chance you get. Um, but the difference that we had was, was we had a ring, so that was an advantage to us. We had freedom to to try things out. Um, I learned to bump, you know, before before I went and got trained, so I was a plus. Um, but but yeah, we had so much creativity, and we just we tried stuff out. So by the time we actually came in, you know, we kind of looked like little mini superheroes because we already knew how to had these how to do these things. Although uh, big moves doesn't mean you're a wrestler. So you know, for for people out there, don't don't mistake. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, now I think. Well, actually, let, let me go, let me go back a little. We and, and I'm sure you've heard this before. You have to learn to walk before you run. Uh-huh. So you know, but again, the advantage that we had is we had creativity. We had freedom to to try what we wanted, and we were a small little group of maybe ten guys, so we all trusted each other. So there was no fear of of hurting each other because we all trusted each other. Um, so yeah, it has advantages, and I, I will say it does. It really does. Just okay. depends on what you do with it. So we're running, we're running low on time. So uh, I'll, I'll give you the office. Uh, you might have to bust out your calendar on this one because I know I know you're working a lot. So uh, can you give us some plugs on some shows that you're uh, coming up working, and uh, anything else that you'd like to plug? Are you sure. Or... Of course, of course, of course. Um, let me see, let me see. Let me look at my mental calendar. I have possibly, possibly Epic. Uh, not this uh, Sunday or Saturday, but the next. 
Um, after that, I believe it is uh, New Wave on March 15th in downtown San Diego at the YMCA. Uh, after that, uh, it's SoCal Pro the week after on Saturday. Um, that's an ocean site, the Boys and Girls Club. Check that out, SoCalProWrestling.com. Um, and then after that, I actually am going up to Vegas for Adrenaline Unleashed. They have a little festival every year that's a mixture of, uh, of hard band, hard rock bands with wrestling and BMX and just overall hanging out kind of a, kind of a deal. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. That's the last Saturday of March. Um, so check it out, adrenaline slash, or, or dash, I'm sorry, uh, unleash.com. And after that, I don't know what I have going on until November when I actually go back to Germany. Um, are you working um, on, uh, yeah. you working at the next Hotel Pro Show? I'm not too sure exactly yet. From what I was told, it was going to be myself and Conde Jr. against Locura and, uh, uh Huracan Negro. Oh, Locuta, I, I beat him at the show. How's he getting booked before me? No, Locuta, he's he's really, really good, and I'm I'm happy he's getting an opportunity to work SoCal Pro. I mean, getting an opportunity that he's working SoCal Pro. He's, he's really good. I, he'll have a good time with him. He's going to get uh, destroyed. <laughs> I did it. It's not that hard. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> so, uh, here, plug for your MySpace. So, what's your MySpace? Uh, you know what? I don't even know. I think it's like MySpace.com slash Chimera's Rage. <laughs> If not, just go into one of the promotions here in Southern California, and I'm probably on the, on the friends list somewhere on there. Or just go to Eric's, Eric's page, and I'll be on his on his friends list. Uh, and I have that. Or if not, just go go to YouTube, and then type in Chimera or Chimera's Rage, and you'll see videos, and then from there it'll lead you to my page, and I have a link from there to the MySpace. Awesome, awesome, cool. awesome, awesome. All right. Well, Chimera, it was. Definitely a pleasure having you on the Alex Saint Show. Um, Thank you, sir. Thank you, we'll, sir. Uh, we'll definitely have to uh, get you on again, and I will see you in in March. I'll be going down for the the New Wave Anniversary Show, so uh, right we'll get together and have a beer or two. But, Sounds uh, good. Thanks, I like beer. Thanks for coming on, brother, and we will be talking right, to you, you very soon. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right, brother. Nice. All right, Alex. Oh. We have another show in the can. That was a pretty good show, I think. Uh, what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. Um, I'll plug Alex. Okay, I'm MySpace. back. I'm back. All right, <laughs> Alex is here. MySpace.com backslash CM Saint. Uh, our our uh, MySpace is MySpace.com backslash Rubber Guard Radio, and soon to be launching RubberGuardRadio.com. Um, which will be an interactive site, uh, blogs and all kinds of other neat shit. Um, that was a fun show. It was a fun show. Um, actually, uh, me and Ryan Stone, we went to the Epic Relaunch show a couple of a couple months ago. I think it was in November. And then uh, one of the guys who wanted to open the matches was Chimera. Then actually, uh, I was like, you know, I, I've never seen him wrestle before. I heard a lot about him. And uh, I was actually excited to see him, and he was really good. And then now I have the honor to, you know, uh, Talk to him on a regular basis, and he leaves me uh, funny messages on my MySpace. And then uh, he's a he's a really awesome person, really really professional. Uh, teaches you a lot about the business. He's a really good. I can't put him down. That's it. We're done. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Bye bye. Hang up.